You're listening to Messes to Successes, a behind-the-scenes look at the strategies, tools, and insights that have taken businesses of all sizes from losing to winning with serial business builder Walden Fenster. For a VIP experience with Walden and the Venture Studios team, visit VentureStudios.com slash podcast. There you'll get access to a huge vault of resources, including free business training, consulting, and an inside look at how to grow a successful business. Hey, thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Messes to Successes. We're back with uh, serial business builder Walden Fenster. And this week, Walden, um, I talk to talented people all the time, graphic designers, video editors, copywriters, and these are the same people you deal with week in and week out. They're talented. Maybe they were working a a, a W-2 job for years. They developed their skill. They said, hey, I want to go freelance now. I want to get out on the market and become the entrepreneur and make the level of money that I know I can make with my skill. But these people on a consistent basis don't know how to bill. They don't know how to value their services appropriately what are the most important metrics that we want to think about when we're setting our rates? I think it's a great question because ultimately it causes you to have some uh, self-reflection points of figuring out what you're actually worth. <laughs> you know, so if you if you can start to evaluate your own time, it also helps you eliminate a couple of things we've talked about on previous podcasts of the who versus the how. So it's it's figuring out what parts of your business and what parts of your job that you're doing right now should best be outsourced. So if you're if you're producing video content or a graphic designer or something, but you're just not good at this one little thing, would you rather hone in your skill and spend time learning how to do it? Or whether would you rather outsource that piece of the job and figure out somebody that could do it really well? So maybe you're a really good graphic designer, but when it comes to creating like a brand guide, you don't have the time or the energy or the template to create a 34-page corporate brand and guidelines document, you know, maybe that's just not your, uh, not, not, not your thing, you know, so maybe you're outsourcing that piece and actually doing the graphic design piece, but it's figuring out that hour of time and what it's actually worth to somebody, because it's really only worth what somebody's going to pay <laughs> at the end of the day. That sounds really, really simple and really, really cliche, but like at the end of the day, people are only going to pay you what they're willing to pay you based on what they're getting, you know? So like if they're, if they're getting clip art repurposed as a logo, then yeah, they're probably only going to pay you a couple hundred bucks. Whereas like we've been on different like contracts and proposals and projects before where we have, we're charging tens of thousands of dollars for just branding and guidelines and logos where it's all custom built out, but you're getting a, a 34 page like proposal and guidelines and how to use these fonts and where to use this font and where not to, and just everything that comes with it. So People are willing to pay a little bit more for that level of support. When you're looking at different metrics to set your rates at, there's different online resources that also dictate and kind of point you in the right direction. So like if, if you're just a straight freelancer, there's websites out there like freelancer.com, upwork.com, Fiverr, all these things out there where like it, it's actually going to show you kind of where your industry rates are at based on what people are charging for comparable services. So you can actually use those as research tools and figuring out where people are charging. So some of those metrics might include how fast that you can get the jobs done, years experience. Um, you could be looking at metrics as far as um, competitors and what they're charging for likes, like similar and like-based um, like contracts, proposals, services, things like that. 
but overall, at the end of the day, it's what they're going to pay you for what they're getting and how, how you've sold that project. That brings up an interesting question. I've run into this several times now with people. When you've got a service like Fiverr, where you can get somebody who says, well, I can, I know this guy is asking me $65 to do this project, but I can get it on Fiverr for five bucks. It really seems to be diluting the price point <laughs> of, of across. And it's not just market to market. It's not like it's only in New York City, but in small town Kansas, it's not a big deal. It's everywhere. How do you, how do you work that in to your, your metric? Well, and because we live in a, a very golden digital era right now, and like I could have people in the Philippines, India, Indonesia, like around the world where their cost of living's a lot less, but maybe they have the same skill set as a designer right down the road in America, you know? So like it comes back to the point of like, it, like you can use it in your own marketing too. You can say, hey, we're, we're a U.S. owned and operated entity. All work done is done in the U.S., you know, and like then your pricing is going to be a little bit different than if you say, hey, we contract out. It's the best design wins type of thing, but we're going to go out and source designs from different countries, different online entities, things like that. But like overall, you're getting what you pay for. Like mm-hmm. if I'm going to go pay somebody in India or the Philippines or somewhere overseas to create a logo, I know there's going to be hurdles and challenges that come with that lower price point. Like I know that the service isn't going to be as good. I know that usually the hours of operations and communication is going to slack, like slack or just completely fall off. I know that they're, they don't have to abide by the same uh, regulations and trademarks and infringements and all the stuff that we have here in the United States. So like, they could go take the Nike logo and do whatever they really want with it over there. You know, like what's going to happen, you know? So like there's just different issues that come with the lower price point person. If you're working with more of a U.S. known reputable uh, company right here in the United States, yes, you're paying a higher price, but you're getting somebody that's probably on the same communication schedule as you, level of communication. What you're getting in your handoff kit is going to be a lot more buttoned down per se. And overall, you're just, more than likely going to have a much better experience, but yes, you're paying for that experience. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, now I want to talk about, uh, cause I know several people who are landscapers mm. or they, you know, groundskeepers and, and, and you know, that there, there's a, a, uh, there, there's a labor pool there. And it seems like the people I know are always getting undercut by that one rascal that's in every community that is, just he's undercutting everybody and it throws off he gets the job because they're going to give it to the lowest the lowest bidder Uh, how do you how do you adjust your billing so that you don't get railroaded by the (laughs) guy that's undercutting you but you you protect a little a bit of your margin and win the job yeah, I've always been in the mindset that if you can't be the lowest price, don't even bother being the second. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's one of those things that if, like, literally, if you can't set the bare minimum value of something like Walmart, like a the cheapest landscaper, like if you're trying to compete with the cheapest landscaper, you've already lost. Like, you've already put yourself in a mindset of, oh, I got to go charge twenty dollars a lawn because this guy's over there charging twenty five you just cut all the profit out of your job and now your family can't eat because you're not charging the right prices. Like it's one of those things where literally if you can't be the lowest cost, don't try to compete with that mindset. What you should do is actually go to the higher end of the market where your profit margins a lot thicker, a lot meatier. 
and figure out where you can add value into that price point so that people go with you instead of the other highest point. Because I, I'm fine being the second highest price point. I'm not fine being the se- second lowest, cheapest cost. You know, like it's one of those things where I will literally go after being that highest ticket item possible. Because I know then even if I work myself down a little bit or negotiate myself down or take away some of the bonuses or the value added stuff that I was going to do, I'm still making a lot more money than if I was trying to compete and being the best lowest price. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, And that brings up another question then. Why do people undercharge for their services? Because they get in a constant state of negotiating with themselves. Oh, oh, okay. That's, That's harsh right there. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So, and I've, I've hit on in a previous podcast is sales and negotiation is one of the core pillars that I look for. And it's one of those mindsets that can be trained. So it's like, like get the skill sets so you're not constantly negotiating with yourself. But like, and I mean, it's, it's those situations that we've all been in where we're like, well, I could go in here and say, I want this price. Then they're going to come back and they're going to say this price. And then I'm going to have to go down to this price anyways. And then you whittle yourself all the way down before you, you've you even set your anchor, or you've set that price in the sand out there. You know, mm-hmm. so you, you got to get in the mindset of like, I'm going to go in here with the price of, I'm not going to insult the person by any means, but like mm-hmm. if I'm that landscaper and I'm going to go after and charge for, like for the lawn service and all these other things, like I'm going to mark it up a little bit because I know those people are going to whittle me back down, but that that's when I can throw in concessions and other value-added things to the negotiation. So if I wanted to go, mow this lawn for $100 instead of $20. I'd say, well, I'm going to trim it. I'm going to I'm going to do all of your weed pulling. I'm going to do all these other things. And if somebody says, hey, like, yeah, that sounds great, but all I really can do today is $50. Great. Well, I can do it at $50, but now maybe I'm not going to do the weed pulling. And I, I like, I can't also do these other little things or concessions that I'd worked into that price. But now I'm still selling the job for $50 instead of 20. And I'm in this mindset of going for a better, higher price where there's more profit margin rather than in the negative mindset where it's, it's really, if I had to get down to the the brass tacks here, and it's the one big thing here, the one big thing is, are you living in a mindset of abundance or scarcity? Like if you're living in a kingdom in a mindset of abundance, you're actually in the mindset of negotiating for more because you know, there's more and more and more out there. If you're setting the the line in the sand and saying, I got to go down here and I got to compete at that $20 per price point lawn, now you're in the mindset of scarcity because it's like, I got to get this client. I got to sign him right now. I got to give him the best price possible or he's going to go somewhere else. Like, like it's, it's doing something counterintuitive and saying, I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him what's fair for me and my crew. And I'm actually going to make some profit because I'm a for-profit business. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll negotiate down and I'll give them opportunities to come back to the table. But ultimately, it comes back to your sales and negotiation ability of how well and how confident you position that offering. How can I get myself as a freelancer into a place where I'm not desperate? I have to get this job and I have to take whatever cut they're willing because now I'm, in, I'm, I'm negotiating from a position of weakness Yep. How how do I get away from negotiating from that place where I, I have to get the job and I have to get as much money out of it as I possibly can, and, and I have to sell my soul basically just <laughs> to get some income in? Where do, how do I get away from that? And, I mean, it's a great point because I think as entrepreneurs and freelancers and just overall any business owner out there, like we've all been in the spot where like you're rubbing two pennies together trying to feed your whole family, you know. So you're you're willing to go after and say yes to anything 
And it's, it's that mindset of saying, okay, great. I can go after and I can go to try and close like a hundred clients and I can give them all this, like this best pricing ever type of nonsense where now I'm going to have to like fulfill on all this work that I don't, that I'm like, I'm not able to fulfill on because of the price point and the time that's required. Or I can go after one or two of the top clients, the people that I actually know that have the money that actually can afford me to pay what I'm worth and actually be able to like then fulfill the job. So I'd rather spend time going after one or two of those top ideal clients rather than going out and trying to close the world on my services, you know, and in the, in that mindset where, yes, things are tight right now. I have two pennies or maybe like my account's overdrafted and now I'm like, now I'm struggling, you know, like it's that, it's that mindset of, am I going to force it or am I going to just like kind of keep with my strategy, keep doing what I know how to do. And I know that I know, and I know, and going back to that, that first pillar that we talked about in the seven pillars of success, faith. I know that I know that I know this is what I'm worth. I know that I know that I know that I put 20 years into learning what I know now. I've gone through all these trials. Maybe it's my marketing. Maybe it's not, I'm, maybe I'm missing the point in conveying what I'm doing or a marketing channel or something over here, but I need to take time instead of like going after that 100 clients go after the two really good ones, spend the rest of the time that you're going to put into going after that 98 other ones into actually honing in your message so that when you get in front of that client, that's like willing to pay you what you're actually worth. Now you have the systems in place, the tools in place, the message in place to actually show them something that they're going to get, you know? So like it's, it's that uh, time money balance equation, you know, like, <laughs> like you only have so much time in the day, so like instead of going after 98 new clients or 100 new clients, go after two, spend the rest of the time honing and fine-tuning your process, turn that one really awesome client into a case study, and now go market to people in similar industries as that client. Right. So now you're building across, you're building across industries and you're building across opportunities. You're actually branching out. Um, because I've found uh, when I've been freelancing at times that there are different market levels where you've got the guys who they're, they're like at the startup level or the, you know, the home base level where I can only give you 25 bucks for this. And then the guys who are like, no, I know you're worth 500 bucks for this. And then you got the corporate that says, no, we pay $10,000 for this. <laughs> right. And I forget who I was talking to, but I was asking a guy, I said, it, it seems to me like the 25, I can only give you $25 people. Those are the ones that cause the most headaches. And I said, is Am I misreading that? He says, no, that's the law. That's how that's supposed to work. Yep. The people who are that are, are you know, that are at that bottom level, they just, they create, they are the most demanding and, and have the least understanding of what is realistic expectation. It comes back to the Pareto principle of 80% of the issues come from 20% of your clients. It's right. the fact that more than likely 20% of your clients shouldn't even be your clients that you should really just outsource them or, completely give them to your competition but overall like it's it's really in the mindset of like so if you start playing at a certain level where now you're closing clients that are in that higher price point you know the people that can actually afford to pay you what you're worth or maybe it's a corporation that's paying you five times what you're worth you know whatever that amount is but like what do you like and I, I just it's more of a it's more of like I'm going through this right now in my business so I can speak educated about it but like we have a, a few key clients that are paying us really, really well to go in and do a job. But now instead of like hoarding away and blowing all this money on bad advertising or trying to go after and like close all this crazy other business, 
we are out there investing that money into helping businesses for free. So we're out there planting seeds with all these businesses because we know that if we make them successful, then we'll be successful. So if we go out and now like through our free free events for like Unchained Entrepreneur or all of our free articles or free blogs or free emails, all this free content that we're mass pushing out there. Like if people are sitting there going, man, if their free content's this stinking good, how good is their like paid services, you know? Or we're out there just making these businesses crazy successful. But hey, now this guy's uncle is actually a CEO of a huge freaking company. Who do you think they're referring in? The people that just helped them for free or the person that's out there trying to sell them for a cheap service? There you you know? know, so like, like that, that becomes more of your strategy. And you're, instead of going after that one-off client, it becomes like, all right, I'm going to keep pushing all this, this content out there as our strategy, but in the overall hopes of making these people successful and raising them up. So now they can afford our services. And now they're loyal to us because we got them the results for free, you know, but like on the back end of it, we're going after higher ticket dollar clients over here that can now afford to pay us a little bit more. But now we use that money as an investment to fund the rest of the strategy. Awesome. So if you like the podcast, imagine how, well. <laughs> exactly. So like the podcasts are free. The blogs are free. The emails are free. The website's free. The video courses, they're free if you don't get results. You have to pay for them if you get results, <laughs> you know, type of thing. But like overall, that's, that's overall our principle is like literally just pushing and giving and giving as much value as possible so that you get results and see business grow like in your in internal, like in your individual lives. And then once that business starts to grow and grow and grow, and now you have a whole new set of problems that you don't know how to handle because you've never been there. Now you're ready to talk to us. Now you're ready to take that next step because don't take it the wrong way right now. Right now, maybe you can't afford us, you know, but like overall, we're getting you in that, that driver's seat and making you successful so that when the time comes and you need that help to get you from that, $1 million mark to that 10 or that $100,000 mark to that $500,000 mark. We are here and we're ready to help. Awesome. You're listening to Messes to Successes with serial business builder Walden Fenster. Walden, just got a couple more questions uh, as we, we come to the end of this, this episode. I'm thinking in terms of profit margin right now. So if I'm figuring out my hourly rate or my project rate, how much should I be thinking about in terms of blocking out some that's just pure profit? Well, it comes back to the business model and the overall um, numbers on the business too. So like some people have a lot higher operating costs than a freelancer who might be working from home. You know, so those numbers are always going to change with the business model. There's not a, like a set number that you should be following, but overall, like if you start to really like analyze a business and let's say you have employees and you have marketing costs and you have all these things, you know, you have taxes, you have all this operating expense that's happening. Um, a good number that I, I mean, I like to follow, like if possible, but if you're, if you're running a team of employees, that employee cost should never exceed like a 30% mark, you know? So if you're out there charging a hundred dollars, like roughly $30 of that's going straight to the employees, you know, you should never exceed that 30% mark. Just like of that $100, maybe 10% of it's going back into marketing, you know, and then you have the other 30% that you're 30, 40, whatever percent that you're saving in the actual company. So now your profit zone, you know, you're whittled back down to like that 20 to 30% mark. So what I challenge people to do is instead of saying, okay, I'm going to set my rates at $100, 
No, set some of these percentages first. Figure out that, okay, I need to save this percent of this dollar, this dollar, this dollar. Okay, great. Now I know out of $1, when $1 comes into my company, I know that 30% goes to the employee, or 30 cents goes to the employee. I know that basically 30 to 40% is getting saved for taxes, so 30 to 40 cents. I know that 10 cents is going back into my ad cost, so that's 80 cents. I know that that's leaving me over here with an operational budget and paying myself of roughly 20 cents. So now I know, hey, I, I know what my living cost is. I know what my expenses for my business are. I know where all these other costs are at. How do I, how much money do I need to make to make that number get bigger? <laughs> you know, so now, hey, I go out and make a million dollars. That means that I know that my profit zone is going to be sitting at 200K. You know, is that good enough for me? Yes or no? <laughs> you know, like it's one of those things that now based on those percentages, you're starting to figure out those numbers, but it comes back to reverse engineering using a formula instead of just saying, I think I'm going to go out there and I'm going to charge $75 an hour, <laughs> you know, which is, sounds great, but maybe you lose your ass at $75 an hour, or maybe, maybe $75 an hour is something where you're really comfortable at and you're going to go out there and make that, that happiness cost of 75 grand a year work. You know, it really comes back to different levels of comfortability. And then once you have those numbers set, it comes back to your satisfaction. So, you know, hey, if I'm charging $100 an hour, like this is what my life's going to look like. And if I need to go charge $200 an hour to get my life to where I want it to be, what value added services and what cross sells and upsells and different like added services can I do to increase my value from $100 to $200 an hour? So I know that now I have $120 and or $120 or whatever, whatever the numbers break down to like spend on your model. But like overall, like it, it comes back to that value stack and figuring out how to increase your value so that you can charge more. Because there got to be a point where the market says, I will pay you $100 to do this job, but I will not pay you $200. Yep. And so that, hurdle, what else? that hurdle is what dictates what you start to add on to that offering. So Let's okay. say let's say you're in video production. Maybe in, like you're charging that hundred dollars an hour to video or to produce videos, to edit videos, and all these things. What other services could you add on now? And what other like turnaround times or expeditedness? Or maybe I'm gonna splice it in different formats or different different package levels that you can now add on and say this is why I'm worth two hundred dollars an hour. You know, or maybe maybe you have awards that now you can bring to the table, or maybe now you can bring accreditations to the table, or maybe you can bring client recommendations to the table to say, this is why this person pays me $200 an hour. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe now you get a, a Grammy or a, a Grammy nominated or Emmy nominated like video producer or video production. Now you can charge more because you're nominated, you know, so like people will pay more for good results. There's a lot to consider here and it's really difficult for most entrepreneurs aren't necessarily numbers crunchers what services do you offer to help them to diagnose and project what their costs and their their margins should be? And I've uh, I've hit on this in the past. It's one of my who versus the how situations where I am not a CFO, not a financial guy, but I have people that are. <laughs> you know, so like if we step in and run a CFO style audit on your company, we can track different numbers, things like that, and actually tell you if you're losing money on what you're charging currently. Once we have some of those details, now we can actually step in with more of a marketing mindset, more of a consultant mindset, and show you how to set up and structure your offering so that you're actually making money at your business instead of potentially losing it 
or not making what you want to be. So that we, we start with more of the, the grassroots of like, show us the numbers so we can see where, where things are going wrong. Let's fine tune that, get all that stuff working. And now that your foundation set, now that we know the numbers, now let's start to grow that business model, that, that just overall sales offering that you have. And then as we start to grow that, now it becomes more of an, um, more of an automized or automated automated it, it becomes more of an automated service and solution for you where now if we can actually convert that into a systematized like process now you could actually be getting sales while you sleep instead of having to do all these manual processes you know so it's more of a uh, just an over the time like style of solution for you but it, it is very hand tailored and very 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 niche to what you're doing compared to just most consultants and people out there just Hey, this one blueprint over here will tell you everything you need to know. Follow this blueprint and you're good. And you follow the blueprint and you're like, this doesn't even pertain to me. <laughs> this right. does nothing for me. You know, compared to with Venture Studio, you're getting one-on-one tailored support for exactly where you're at to exactly where you want to be. Very good. All right. Well, Walton, thank you so much for the time you spent with us today. We'll get, we're going to come back next week, Wednesday morning. Uh, watch for this the next episode. In the meantime, God bless you. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll look forward to seeing you here next week. You've been listening to Messes to Successes, a podcast by Venture Studios. To get access to resources, including free business training, consulting, and an inside look at growing a business, visit VentureStudio.com. This weekly podcast is produced and hosted by Walden Fenster, directed and edited by Chad Ketcher. Copyright 2019. Be sure to follow us on Facebook or LinkedIn and get new episodes every Wednesday wherever you find podcasts.